Well, good morning. Wow, I better not get excited when I'm speaking this morning. I'll be on the floor. The last Sunday of 2020. Okay, all right. I read somewhere this week that someone said that they don't normally stay up on New Year's Eve, but they're going to stay up this year just to make sure this year leaves. So I thought that was a good comment. So looking forward to the, to the new year. Um, we change over the calendar. The reality is that um, what gives us hope for the new year is not the number change, but the fact that we serve the God of the universe that's in sovereign control of our lives. And that's what our hope is in. So we want to call your attention to a few of announcements. We've got a lot of the things that are coming up in January listed in your bulletin. And so we want you to just notice those. Uh, we're going to have a couple of baptism classes. If you have been thinking about or the Lord's kind of been laying it on your heart about maybe baptize, being baptized, if you've never followed the Lord in, in doing that in obedience, um, on the 10th of January and the 24th, right after the, the morning service. Uh, new to Sunrise Luncheon, we'll be starting that again this month. It'll be on the 17th of January. We've got lots of new faces over the past month and a half, and so it'll be fun to be able to get together and, and, uh, and visit and see them. Uh, grateful for all of you that helped out with our Christmas Eve service, a little outside the box, but I think that God was honored and we were able to worship the Lord in a way that was appropriate and, and uh, just kind of remember the true meaning of Christmas. So we're excited at the prospect of this new year. I'm excited because we know that, that God is going to lead. I, I was thinking of the words of, of that song that we just sang, um, just about the faithfulness of God. And, and, and as we, in all honesty, look back over 2020, I'm sure that all of us can have to say very honestly that God's been faithful. Um, has it been difficult? Yep. Has it been challenging? Absolutely. Has God been faithful? He has. He has risen above and, and, and been faithful in providing our needs. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get back to worship. God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to gather and worship, just the freedom that we enjoy. And we thank you for that. We don't take that for granted. We thank you, Father, for this Christmas season and this opportunity that we've had to spend time with family and friends and, and celebrate your birth. Uh, how grateful we are, Father, that you took the initiative uh, to send your son Jesus to provide a, a pathway back for us to you, uh, that we can be reconciled with the holy God. Pray, Father, as we finish out this year and look forward to the year ahead, uh, that it would be our eyes would be clearly focused on you, uh, not just the changing of the year, but the fact that you're the God that does not change, and we can count and stake our lives and our eternity on that fact. And so we just ask that you would empower our worship, that we would be drawn to you, and that each of us would hear clearly from your spirit today as we're gathered together for worship. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, for those of you that have been here over the past four or five weeks, our Advent series has been entitled, Come to the Table. And we've talked about the different places in Scripture and the different circumstances in which the table was significant. We asked a series of questions about um, the table and what that means and just the significant place it plays in our lives. And so this morning, this was not part of the script of the Advent season, um, but I, as I was considering and praying about what we should talk about on this Sunday Between series. We're going to start a new series in January. Um, I just felt like one more week to talk about the table was appropriate. And so this morning, 
what I want to do is ask the question, is there room at your table? And this morning, I want to talk as a family. The things that I want to talk about and the, the places I want to take us in Scripture this morning have to do with the family of God, have to do with those that have put their faith and trust in Christ that have seen their need of a Savior and fallen on their knees and bowed their heart to the God of the universe and, and acknowledged that, that, that they are unworthy, that we are unworthy. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that we can be made right in the sight of a holy God. And so if you fall in that category this morning, which I hope, I'm sure, that most of you do, um, we're talking about us. We're talking about us, the body of Christ. As I look back on this past year and I look forward into the year that is to come, I believe that there is a great threat that exists to the effective ministry of our church as well as many churches across the country. I don't believe that that threat is because necessarily of the change in leadership at the national level. I don't believe that that threat is necessarily because of the coronavirus and all of the chaos that surrounds that. I don't believe that the threat is, originates from the changes that we see in society, uh, a society that is moving more and more away from the principles of Scripture, and we see that in our laws and all the things that are becoming more and more prevalent. This isn't a threat from the outside, but rather a threat from within, something that we as the family of God and we as the church of God must be very, very careful that we do not allow to take root and become a part of the body of Christ. This is an enemy that will leave us weak and ineffective in our ministry to our community, to those within our sphere of influence. It's not by any means a new enemy, but it has been present for a long time, since the beginning of time, but in the past year it has gained new strength and new vitality, and we must be aware of its reality or it will wreak havoc within the church. And so what I want to do first of all this morning is I want to look at a picture of what the body of Christ is to be like and what God's design was for the body. And so if you have your Bible or you have your phone and you want to turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to begin there because this is a picture of diversity in the body of Christ and God's design. And so when, whenever we want to see whether something is right or wrong, we always look first of all at what is right. The tellers in the bank, in order to find, figure out what a counterfeit bill looks like, they don't give them counterfeit bills to look, look at, they give them real bills to look at so they can study and they'll easily be able to tell the difference. Same thing is true with any scriptural, any scriptural topic. We have to see what the right is before we can determine the wrong. And so let's look at biblical diversity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning with verses 4 through 11. We're just going to work through this passage fairly quickly. Verse 4 begins, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. 
Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So as Paul begins this passage in which he explains the working of the Spirit of God and the distribution of gifts within the body of Christ, within the church as it were, he gives us two different perspectives. And one is the first part is what we are the same in. What do we hold in common? Throughout that passage, these are the things that we see in common. The same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God for the common good. It is the one Spirit who distributes and determines. And so at the very core of our being and existence as the body of Christ, we have the Spirit of God and we have the Lord Himself and the sovereign God. That is what we share in common. But outside and from what flows outside of that common core is a huge amount of difference. Different gifts, different service, different workings, different manifestations, messages of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. This wide variety of things that the Spirit of God puts within the church for the purpose of ministry. And that diversity is important and is part of God's plan. Let's look at the next verses, 12 through 14. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we all, for we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Notice the similarities. Baptized by the same spirit. The same spirit of God indwells every person that's part of the body of Christ. And, then, and there again in this part, we see the differentiation of what we have that's different. Jews, Gentiles, slave, free. Those are all different forms of earthly status that we find ourselves in, things with, that are not within our control, that we're born into those things or, or sold into slavery or born into slavery, things without, outside of our control. But the same Spirit, the same Spirit in all. All right? So as any brilliant teacher would do, Paul paints a physical picture of the spiritual principle that he's trying to explain. And within that picture, it's something that we all can identify because we have a physical body. Easy for us to see and recognize. Verses 15 through 20. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, 
where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So I see in this next section, there are three different discussions about the body, and, and it's working together. And the first part that I see in, in this section is body part insecurity. Body part insecurity. I am not the same as somebody else, and so I'm not as important. I'm not an eye, I'm not an ear, I'm not a mouth, I'm not a... And so I'm not significant or I'm not important within the body. Body part insecurity. I don't belong. I don't fit in. I'm not like this person or that person. And so I don't have the same significance. But notice how that section ends. All are placed within the body to fulfill a purpose. And if every body part was the same, then it wouldn't be a body at all but it would be only that part. And in reality, if you think about the way our physical body functions, that's exactly right. Every part has a purpose. In verses 21 through 24, we see the next discussion about the function of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. The next section I see is body part arrogance. Body part arrogance. One part cannot say to another, we don't need you. You're not important. You don't fit in here. You're not necessary. And in the same way in our physical body, one part cannot say to another, you're not necessary. Notice the phrase that followed that section. The weaker are indispensable. The less honorable receive special honor. The unpresentable receive a special modesty. And the presentable need no special treatment. And so within the body of Christ, we can't look at one another and say, we don't need you. You're not necessary. You're not as important as this person or that person or that part or this part. All the parts are necessary and all the parts have a role to fulfill. Then in verses 25 and 26, we see body part attitude. What is, the, what is it? How are we to function together? So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so the goal of the body being knit together and, and working together the way God designed and as the Spirit gave gifts to different ones is that there should be no division. There should be equal concern for the different parts. That when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we all are honored. God's design and purpose for the body for ministry. That's what it's supposed to look like. There's a beauty in that diversity. If everyone were like me or everyone was like Paul, or it wouldn't have the beauty and the function that it has in the way that God designed it. Difference and diversity is good and is purposeful and it's necessary 
It's God's plan for the body. And that's where the enemy arises, the threat that's within, is failing to recognize those differences that God has put within the body. I want you to go back to the opening verses of that 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians and look at verses 4 through 6. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We see three things listed there. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of workings. As I look at those three things, I see a distinction between each one of them. The gift is what God gives. It's what God manifests in the life of a believer for the purpose of ministry that is unique for that person. And every believer has a gift. None is without. The second thing I see is service. And what that is is the focus and the passion and the ministry, that, that internal motivation that we have for ministry that God puts within us. And the last thing I see is the workings, and that's the deeds, that's the effects, that's the activities that go on within the life of a believer. Now, the reality is, when I look at you as a member of the body of Christ, and you look at me as part of the body of Christ, there's one piece of those three that I can see, and that's your deeds, that's your activities, that's the ministry that you're involved in. And those other two things I can't see because those have to do with your conversation with God and the, the workings of God in your own heart, the passions that you have for, for different areas of ministry or different focuses. I can't see those. I can see one thing, and that's the activity. That's the deeds. The other thing that we must factor into living within the body of Christ is that each individual believer has a gift and has a service and has a working, but we also bring something else into the mix as we minister in the body of Christ. Each believer has three other things that we don't see either. The first is a past, a past. That past may be full of hurtful experiences, abusive situations, events that have shaped my life and my view that make my ministry and the manifestation of my gift unique. It's not like anybody else's. And for most people, you don't know what that past is for me, and I don't know what that past is for you. But that's all a part and parcel of what makes my gift and my ministry unique. The second thing that we all have is a present that people on the outside can't see either. The everyday realities, the pressures that we have of kids and job and health and time restraints and marriage and the busyness of life, the things that we're involved in that people from the outside don't and can't see. We all have that. We all share that in common. And our present affects the way that we use and minister within our gift. And the last thing we have 
It's what I call a pack. We have a pack. We have a yoke. Every one of us within the body of Christ and every person that you meet on the street, whether they know Christ or not, has a pack. And what do I mean by that? That is some overwhelming burden that they're carrying that you don't know about, that I don't know about. Something that causes them to lay awake at night. Maybe grief. Maybe financial concern. It may be declining health. It may be concerns within family. Kids that have walked away from God. A marriage that is not what it seems on the outside. Some kind of a pack and a heavy burden that they're carrying. And so what's the significance of all that? Within the body of Christ, God gives us a gift for us to minister with. And the way that we use that gift and the way God uses us with that gift is dependent upon all of these other things that nobody else can see. Nobody else knows but God alone. And so why is it important that we recognize and acknowledge the gifts and what we can see and what we can't? The way the world views diversity is through the eyes of division, and we cannot allow it to creep into the walls of the church. How does division work in the real world, in the secular world? How does it function? All you have to do is turn on your news. Turn on the news that we watch, that we see every day. And how do they view diversity? Do they see it as beautiful? No, they see it as divisive. They see it as divisive. And so what happens? We see a deed. We see a conversation. We see a post on social media. We hear a third-party conversation. That's the part we can see. And from that, we make, we make a determination. We make a determination on the one thing that we can see and these five other things that we can't. From that determination, we, we assign a division or a category to that person. This is who they are. Based on one thing, what we can see, the deed. And then the final step is that we dehumanize them as a person. We lose sight of the fact that they are someone made in the image of God. And we assign them a number, a faceless number, with the others that we have put in the same division. And that's the way the world functions. If you watch our news, if you watch people talk in the secular world, that's what's happening in our country. That's the process that's happening in our country. And if we are not watchful and careful within the church, it will creep into our ranks as well. And Satan will use us to shred us, to pull us apart from the inside out. 
Turn your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A couple of passages that Paul was defending his ministry. Some real similar types of circumstances to what I see happening in, in our country and, and potential of happening within our body. 2 Corinthians 10. Paul's defending his ministry. There's some people that, that don't agree with the way that he's going about doing things. And, and they said, you're harsh when you write to us, but you're not that harsh when you come and speak in, in, in person. And so Paul's defending his ministry. I want to show you a couple of verses from this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. You're judging by appearances. You're looking at a deed or an activity and making a determination. And then move on down to verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. That's exactly what the world does. If you're not like me, then you're not right. That's not the way God designed the body of Christ. Jump back up to the earlier verses in that same 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians, verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, For lo, we live in the world, we do not wage war as a world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So that's the way the world views diversity. And we cannot allow it to become part and parcel of the body of Christ. We must take every thought captive. Every thought captive. We can't look at the activities of ministry and the manifestations of the gifts that God has put within the body and divide other believers into categories. Let me take a minute and talk about the elephant in the room because this is where the rubber meets the road. There are issues in society over the past year that have become very divisive. Personal freedoms, whether or not to wear a mask, Patriotism and our constitutional rights. Racial unrest and division. Police and governing authorities. A wide array of political policies. The truth of the matter is, within the context and guidance of Scripture, there is freedom for followers of Jesus Christ to have differing views on these things. So long as those views do not go against biblical principles and mandates. There is freedom within that. What's the biblical standards and mandates? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 23 is a good place to start. 
This is in a, a, summary, sec, a summary section of, of the Ten Commandments that, that Moses gave the, the children of Israel. And in the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then Moses is going back and kind of reiterating some of those things. And, and, and this is always a, a phrase that has stuck out to me. It says, Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. God gives us freedom within the body of Christ to minister and have an opinion and have a passion towards different things in our society so long as that position does not come up to a place of equality with our walk and our allegiance to God. That's the standard. And if it goes above that, it become, if it becomes more important than our walk with God, then it's not of God. It's not of God. Another place that we can look to give us guidance about where we should fall on these things that society is, is divided and arguing about is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a statement that Paul makes. And there again, this is, one of, this, is, this is a verse that I come back to time and time again to examine whether those things that I'm passionate about are in the right perspective in my relationship with God. Paul says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. At the point in which our opinion or our feelings or our views become a master to which it is controlling me rather than God controlling me, then at that point it is sin. It is sin. And then the last thing I want to draw your attention to is a, a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in which Paul demonstrates the way that he viewed ministry. And this talks about our freedom that we have in Christ as well. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, so to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So the reality is, within the body of Christ, God gives us great freedom to minister using our gifts within the passions that we hold. And we must be so very careful as the body of Christ to not look at another believer that's ministering and make a determination and a division and set them aside as a group that we can't have fellowship with. And if we're not careful within the church, Satan will, uh, Satan will wreak havoc in our ranks because of that. So how should we function? What's God's plan for us to function within the diversity of the giftings and all those things that God puts in the body? One faith, one hope, one baptism, one spirit, one Lord, one God. At the very core of who we are, 
is the fact that we are born again, blood-bought children of God. And that's what holds us together. That's what allows for the diversity within the body. And it's a beautiful thing. The second thing that we have to hold on to is we can't lose sight of the purpose. We can't lose sight of the purpose. The theme verse for Sunrise Church. And he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of all the gifts and all the things that, that, that God has worked in our lives that nobody else can see? And as we use those to minister to those around us, what's the purpose? To spread the gospel, to share the light of Jesus Christ. That has to be the purpose that unites us behind the spirit that is our central most part of our being. And how do we minister within the body of Christ? How do we function with each other within the diversity that God gives? With love and compassion. I find it no accident that the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians that talks about the diversity of the body is followed by the 13th chapter of Corinthians that talks about what? Love. Love. Paul knew what they needed to hear. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. We must, within the body of Christ, function with love and compassion for one another. And an understanding and a recognition that God has put the diversity in the body for a purpose. It's not by accident. Not at all. The second part of how we must function with one another is being devoted to one another. To having a commitment to our brothers and sisters in Christ Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. A devotion, a commitment. Remember in our series about being devoted, what we saw that was. Devotion is a, the thought that's up in front of everything else that we see. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ ministering in different areas and in different places of need, we need to be devoted to them, praying for them, loving them, encouraging them. And finally, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, the last way that God would have us walk alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ the church. Speaking the truth in love. We all have the potential of going astray. And the only way that we can express love in the body 
is if we are able to have open and honest conversation with one another. To be able to sit across the table and talk about what God's doing in our life and the passion that God has given us for this ministry or this ministry or this. Speak the truth in love. I always go back to, the, to that, that, those verses and it, it tells me a couple of other things. Speak the truth in love. God would not have given us that command unless that was always possible in the Spirit. That always there is a way that we can speak truth in a way that's love. Speak the truth in love. Is there room at your table? The reality is there should not be any other brother and sister in Christ that should not be welcome at my table. None. I don't care what their views are. They're part of the body of Christ. I should be able to have fellowship with them. I should be able to encourage them. I should be able to give them guidance if I feel that they're going astray. I should be able to speak the truth in love. Blood is thicker than water. We talk about that phrase in terms of how family is thicker than friendships and those exterior relationships. But the reality is in the body of Christ, blood is thicker than water. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed each one of us. And we all stand at the foot of the cross as recipients of that grace and mercy that we don't deserve. The reality is we ought to be able to have fellowship with any other brother and sister in Christ because we're going to spend an eternity with them, an eternity together in the presence of Christ. So our question for this morning is this, who do you need to invite to your table? Maybe there's a wrong that you need to make right. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken that you need to go and ask forgiveness. Maybe you need to go and say, you know, I feel like there's something between us that we need to make right and we need to talk through. We cannot allow the beauty beauty of the diversity of the body to be used by the evil one to bring about division. Because it will render us ineffective and powerless for the true mission that God gives us. We can't allow it to occur. Is there room at my table for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge this morning that your word is living and active. And it cuts deep. It reveals those things in my attitude and in my heart that are not pleasing to you. Those distinctions and determinations that I make about my brothers and sisters in Christ that are not within my authority to make. God, I pray that as we begin this new year, 
that you would cause us as a body to be drawn together because of the commonness of the grace and mercy that we've received and the commonness of the most important mission of all, and that be to share the love of Jesus Christ into a world that so desperately needs to hear a message of hope and freedom from fear. God, may we be one. May we be characterized by our love for one another. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.